Chapter Eleven, Part Three of Limanora, The Island of Progress by Godfrey Swevin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ethics, Part Three. They had learned from the revolutions of their past how snaky and tortuous are the ways of deceit, and the first sure sign of its triumphant success is the bold adoption of the doctrine that good men may do evil, provided their aim is good under this the liars sheltered themselves for ages before they were exiled the era of the history of the island that filled them most with shrinking and loathing was that of the struggle with the various forms of deceit the first lesson in the valley of memories was drawn from this division of their annals they filled their youth with hatred and scorn of untruth and hypocrisy no firm step could be taken in education till this had become a deeply rooted feeling in their natures and nothing awakened it so well as the study of this struggle with the liars but they never taught any subject merely from books or records everything even history and its lessons was made practical and living deceit for instance was traced back to its sources in nature and the difficulty of getting rid of it was revealed by finding it so widespread in the lower ranks of life mimicry or involuntary deceit was investigated all through plant and animal life and it was found to be more prevalent the lower the investigators went in vital organisms their loathing of it as a deliberate adoption amongst human beings grew deeper as they saw in the animal world it belonged either to incompetence or rapacity the prey mimicked the form and colour of another species that was loathsome to its enemy in order to avoid his grasp unconsciously the mimicry spread for only those members of the attractive species which were like the repellent species escaped and propagated or the spoiler mimicked the form and colour of a species that was friendly or neutral to its victim and only those members of the species similar to the unfeared kind succeeded in catching enough of their favorite food to survive and hand on their nature to a posterity it was the same in the higher life of human self-consciousness and will only here intention and deliberateness entered in and turned mimicry into deceit wherever hypocrisy existed it was a sure sign of a vast number of incompetent and feeble who made an easy quarry to the villain and of the vigour of a cunning minority who often found it difficult to entrap diplomacy and convention are the deliberate mimicry of the predatory section of a race or of its gullible section when once the limanorans had purged the island of the liars they had to prevent the propagation of the feeble and incompetent for they knew that as long as these existed in a community there would persist the more futile forms of deceit after that first purgation the weak though retained in the island had to abandon family life they were provided with the means that made existence easy and pleasant in order that they might not resort to their only method of survival and in a generation the problem of hypocrisy had disappeared it was then that the hydrovamalan was invented and came into use in education having driven out the hated vice they found that there was still the need of impressing its evil results upon the minds of the maturing youth 
just as it was necessary even yet to study the diseases that had disappeared for generations from their midst in order to be able to cope with them should they ever be reintroduced through their communication with other atmospheres but they knew the unreality of teaching anything in a merely theoretical way they felt that lecturing and sermonizing and the mere reading of history would give them no such grasp of the vice and its evils as would living acting things the adrova milan with its telescopic teleacoustic and telematic powers came to their assistance in this difficulty by its help parents and proparents were able to bring the youths into the very presence of the loath deceit without submitting them to the chance of contagion they turned the object tubes of the wonderful instrument upon aleophane and its society and through them they saw and heard and felt men like insects mimic and like stinging worms crawl and diplomatize lie and cheat still with the worship of reality and sincerity and truth upon their lips there they noted the growth of the most offensive form of the vice the weak learned it for protection flattering the great and groveling in the dust before them whilst they cursed them in their hearts and all in order that some favour might perhaps be flung like a bone to a dog having learned the vicious art in this cringing fashion the feeble were seen to march off with the proud gait and the conceit of adepts and use it like brigands on the still feebler this combination of incompetence and unscrupulousness was the final curse of a civilization that had taken deceit to its bosom the whole of the energy of the race was spent in simulation and dissimulation every vice simulated its antagonistic virtue even virtue simulated the vigour and arrogance of vice the limanoran youth needed no more teaching on the evils of hypocrisy they rose from the hydrovomalan with an intense loathing for all forms of deceit so impressive was the drama they saw enacted in aleophane even what seemed innocent mimicry they shrank from seeing it universally employed as the means of cheating in that island of liars mimicry they were encouraged to eschew for as surely as the art was mastered it was used for mean or foul purposes at some time or other either for envy and jealousy and scorn or in order to lay traps sometimes for the strong but chiefly for the weak even in art all mimicry was avoided for there it betrayed feebleness or lack of individuality the existence of mimicry in the animal world was the mark of degeneracy upon terrestrial life it argued the wide domain of feebleness and rapacity and the dominance of the passion for mere existence wherever it was widespread it meant the abeyance of progress and of eagerness for progress mimicry is the sterilizing process of faculty and power origination is the principle of fertility of stimulus to progress whatsoever dallied with an outgrown principle or element was immoral mere copying of what had been already attained and was about to be left behind or used as a stepping-stone to something better was neighbor to evil morality is the effort to adapt conduct and ideals to the new vistas opened up into the future by an advance already achieved and it is ever being bribed or throttled by what is outworn evil is the past which has become so obsolete and is yet so living as to be obstructive 
what has been outgrown has ever its allies among living elements and its advocates in every mixed and unpurified race especially is the case where there are fixed codes or creeds and along them professions organized to preserve and continue their sway the world is constantly seeing the spectacle of a nation or race or species coming to a standstill after centuries of brilliant progress and getting fossilized in a certain stage of its advance there it remains for generation after generation as if alive yet practically dead for all purposes of development like a fly in amber this dead stop is due to the dominance of some code or creed that seemed to embody the spirit of its greatest success the nation or race sought to secure forever to itself the advantages of the ethical or spiritual methods that had achieved for its most brilliant results by fixing them unalterably for all time with their official guardians to protect them from change so that which had given such vigorous life and development for a time became a prison-house and grave only the most tremendous revolution and cataclysm could burst the walls of the tomb tear off its grave clothes and release its spirit for new conquests sometimes a nation seems to fossilize the creed or polity that first gave energy to its life yet at the same time grows and develops spasmodically it has only made pretense of having fixed this code for all time whilst the living spirit of it escapes and follows its own course in freedom it has periodically to return to its pretended prison and tomb and to reconcile by jesuitry and in makeshift way the two methods of life which have come to differ so widely then it flees again into the struggle of existence and gradually ignores even the new versions of the old code till the divorce becomes too obtrusive to escape attention and the process of reinterpretation of the antiquated creed begins again this has been a common enough mode of advance in the history of the world but it is fraught with incalculable risks it induces a habit of self-deceit and hypocrisy and the nation or race ultimately makes a tomb and prison-house for a spirit out of its own falsities and self-delusions advance like this the limanorans held was no true advance they would have no part or lot in fixity of methods or codes for whatever became fixed grew thereby evil and obstructed development and advance to higher points of view they had only to look into their history to see how every new step antiquated some universally accepted belief or maxim not so many ages ago a crudely philanthropic spirit was considered one of the surest signs of advancing virtue in fact one of the noblest of the virtues now it was considered distinctly immoral to philanthropize without taking care to foresee the results of the philanthropy limanorans used to go out into the archipelagos and try to convert the barbarians to the special code or creed then in vogue instead of helping on the human race it actually stopped the development of a section of it for the adoption of a creed and its symbols and rites and phrases far in advance of any possible civilization they could reach only made the savages whose virtues had hitherto been at least genuine conventional false and hypocritical whilst the apostles left thousands of their own countrymen at home stagnant or retrogressive 
it soon came to be acknowledged that intercourse with inferior civilizations even for the purpose of raising them lowered the moral standard of the missionaries whilst failing in its original motive much of the philanthropy that began at home was found to be no less obstructive and immoral it fed and clothed the poor and improvident and thus helped to slay and bury the only habit that could save them out of their sloth the habit of measuring every step they took and seeing whither it led and it helped to perpetuate the evil for the ready yet limited supplies combined with the improvidence to make them breed like lower animals and the race of paupers and unprogressive was inordinately multiplied the same feeble and immoral philanthropy opposed all attempts to stop the multiplication of the diseased and semi-criminal and had to increase the armies of doctors and guardians of the peace every generation it did well to nurse the feeble in mind and body and to reduce the penalties under which heredity had placed them but it failed to see that it was doing endless evil by letting them penalize an increasing posterity with their own punishment not till it was branded as the worst of immortalities was such philanthropy ended this had been a distinct advance and a true virtue when it had taken the place of cruelty and neglect and when there was unmeasured space on the earth for expansion of population but once this stage had been passed and the purgation crusade was proceeding it became a real plague and vice another immorality that had once been a virtue was the pursuit of beauty for its own sake men gave up their lives to the production of beautiful things which served no other purpose than their own glory and the entertainment of idle and leisured people others made fortunes and devoted them to the purchase of such works of art in order that crowds might collect and admire them and for a time there was something of truth in the assertion that it educated the taste of the people but this was only when the bulk of the race was unenlightened and unprogressive and anything that softened their barbarity anything that drew their thoughts away for even a brief time from sordid cares or cruel projects or mechanical and conventional habits implied progress or a chance of progress when the race had been purified and every eye was bent on the future and every nerve strained toward some advance in human civilization beautiful things came the commonest features and necessities of life and beauty ceased to be noticed as anything remarkable then to spend energies on producing what was artistic and beautiful without serving any other purpose than pleasing was reckless extravagance and by wasting what should have been extended upon the progress of the race was condemned as immoral there was no virtue in doing what every one did by instinct there was positive vice in making it the sole and deliberate purpose of expenditure of energy another instance of a former virtue having become a vice was statesmanship and political patriotism at one time half the conspicuous talent of the race went in this direction so greatly was it admired and when there were other races and nations to diplomatize or struggle with and one half of the race had to provide for or keep watch on the other half it is no strange thing that to enter into the domain of politics was considered the noblest thing a man could do and love of the welfare of the country was considered the noblest sentiment a man could entertain 
the most difficult problems involving some of them the very continuance of the race occupied the attention of the statesman and politician what to do with the vast pauper class and still vaster fringe of the poverty-stricken and improvident how to deal with the criminally inclined how to educate the half-savage deisons of hovels and cities and even in the open country how to prevent the deadlocks in industry how to regulate the labor market and how to check the recurrent plagues and famines were questions that tasked the finest intellectual energies of the nation what complicated the answer was the fact that the themes of the discussions the pauper the criminal the improvident the employer the laborer the plague-stricken and the starving all had a share in the government of the country and had to be persuaded that any scheme proposed was to their individual interests the virtue of political patriotism was streaked with loquacity conceit self-seeking hypocrisy corruption and intrigue long before it came to be recognized as a vice the statesman and politician had to make his principles as interchangeable as his coats had to be a master in the art of making the worse appear the better reason had to be skilful in lying without seeming to lie had to rob whilst putting on the disguise of self-sacrifice had to cringe and fawn bully and overbear by turns had to be an artist in bribing men and in taking bribes in short had to be the most expert of the criminal classes by the time the end came none in the list of virtues had become so like a vice as patriotism the great purgation swept out all occasions for politics and patriots in exiling all the subjects of statesmanship where there were no paupers or criminals no masters or servants no uneducated or savage except young children and no chance of plague or famine the occupation of the statesman and politician vanished where every man was taught how to be a law to himself legislation had no place the problems of most inchoate civilizations had gone into exile with all the isms that were proposed to solve them and all the charlatans that proposed their solution patriotism was now like breathing the organic and unconscious process of every mind and not the exception upon which any one could plume himself no longer was it the safety of the country or the continuance of the race or the sustenance or justice or criminality of the part of the people that demanded conscious effort but the advance of the human system in all to propose and argue legislative schemes for the benefit of any section of the race would have been accounted immorality if it had not been taken as a symptom of atavism or mental disease a hospital was the certain fate of any one who indulged in political projects or political eloquence the old virtue had passed beyond the stage of obstructiveness and vice and had become one of the tests of insanity this disease of politics rarely appeared except amongst the youthful and immature and the methods of driving out the evil spirit had recently grown scientific and unflattering the old plan of exiling it was now felt had become cruel and pitiless 
for in recent generations the pace of evolution in the race had so quickened that now even its laggards and the breakers of its moral law were centuries ahead of the most advanced citizens of the most advanced nations on the face of the earth and no longer could they if expatriated find any to consort with they would have to live with men who in their eyes were vicious and criminal nula had been the last to be exiled the system was finally abandoned as inhumane and unscientific and science soon found methods of treatment that were prompt and efficient in their cure of all such mental diseases my final instance of the old virtue grown vice is of a different kind it belonged more to the intellectual sphere than to the practical and seemed to me at first rather a mistake than a defect of the nature it was the common error of taking a verbal originality or advance for a real a mere change of name for a change in essence in the old times it had been counted as a great merit to a man if he manufactured a new nomenclature for any widespread phase of civilization and so gave the race the sensation of dealing with something novel some of the greatest heroes of philosophy and science in the pre-purgation ages of the island had their own fame to the substitution of fresh phraseology for what had grown outworn and trite and most of the great writers had done nothing more for their fellows than re-illumine a linguistic world fallen dull and dark men grow sick of ideas that have worn the same verbal dress for a generation or more and hail as a discoverer and benefactor any one who tricks them out anew they delight in feeling them to be familiar old friends whom they have to make no mental effort to know even to dye the old garments in new imaginative tints is a service they will not readily forget whilst the great discoverers and pioneers of the human race have had years or ages of oblivion according to the newness and difficulty of their ideas and the distance beyond the common horizon they have looked into the future the limanorans of old like most other men abhorred having to think out again their creeds and ideas and especially having to reform them and so they stood out lustily against every real advance proposed and shouted it down as irreverence or blasphemy in overturning the old barriers and old altars the maker of a new nomenclature and the tinter of the old phraseology pandered to this intellectual indolence one of the most striking results of the new point of view after the great purgation was the transformation the fame of these old scientists and philosophers and writers suffered they began to be execrated as dealers in illusions as men who fed the passion of the human race for stagnance or retrogression to monstrous proportions they were thrown down from their lofty pedestals and cast into oblivion for their sins against truth and reality to seduce men from the pursuit of truth by mere verbal jugglery was now counted no mere mistake but a heinous offence against morality to take as a real discovery what was but a new name or set of names revealed a vicious obliquity of mental vision that needed attention from the ethical physicians this was especially easy in the domain of ethics and the limanorans were constantly on their guard against the delusion of accepting a change of nomenclature as a moral advance the elders carefully reviewed every stage of progress 
lest it should have been in words and phrases. This was the main purpose of the menorah and of the immonorah, and every month linguistic councils were held to revise the language and to throw out any fallacies and illusions it might harbor. Every new nomenclature and phraseology was searched and probed, and torn off the ideas that they were meant to express, in order to see if there was anything new underneath them. Delusion, they had resolved, they would have nothing to do with in any shape or form. For delusion blinded the eyes to the route they were taking, and made them march in a circle or back over the old roads under the belief that they were advancing to what was new. It was the greatest foe to true progress, and any man who fell into it revealed vicious tendencies, which needed the ministrations of the physicians and nurses in the ethical sanatorium. To take verbal ingenuity for true pioneering was the most grievous offense against the future of the race. The great standard and test of morality was progress. How far will an act or habit aid the true development of the race? This was the crucial question in Limanora and in order that it might be answered satisfactory and easily by any member of the community, the council of elders was careful to accommodate the ideals of the race to every advance made. It had been a rare thing in their history to change or add to the cardinal instincts of morality. But this they knew was by no means impossible, and indeed they were buoyed up with the hope that the moral cosmos was still to open up new marvels like the physical cosmos, that in fact the two would ultimately be found to be one when looked at from the final and divine point of view. There was the strongest conservatism in the ethical phase of life, for it is the last, highest, and most complex development of vitality. The lower we investigate in the animal world, the more revolutions and transformations we see the individual go through, the more enslaved it is to circumstances, to locality, to season, to the moment. The higher we go, the greater we find the conservatism, and at the same time the greater the origination and the adaptability. In man these two conflicting powers grow stronger side by side as he advances in civilization. He retains features and forms that are outworn and useless longer than most of the higher animals, and yet he originates and adapts himself and his surroundings with far more ease and swiftness. In ethics, his last evolution, the conservatism dominates the origination and the advance, obscures them or makes them simulate its own features, and produces the belief that the final maxims and cue of morality have been reached from the first. Ethical progress has naturally been slow, and it is only the student of vast periods of history and of many nations and races who becomes fully persuaded that there has been any change in the point of view. Because there is not complete transformation, as in the case of the minuter and lower animals, it is assumed that there is no evolution, and that morality and conscience have remained fixed quantities, from the beginning of historic times at least. And the close bond between ethics and religion has assisted this dominant and delusive conservatism in its task. Each great step in ethical evolution has been claimed by religion as its own, and as resulting from its own special revelation from heaven.
the limanorans were quick to recognize that morality must be subject to growth and development not only in the individual but in the race and that man must gain higher ethical points of view as he progresses they knew that many of the finest impulses and inspiration towards progress and especially ethical progress had come from beyond the earth and the earth's atmosphere but that any age or race could have caught the ultimate ethical light from the central sun of the cosmos seemed to them after their experience the height of absurdity there could be no spiritual eye trained and developed enough to receive it as the bodily eye of man is capable of taking in only a limited range of rays of light whilst an immense range of them above and below its faculty either blind it or pass unnoticed so his spirit in any given stage of its development can understand and accept ethical ideas only within certain limits but as it progresses it is able to see beyond and appreciate ideas that were non-existent to it before there is as much difference between the ethical comprehension of the modern limanoran and that of the most highly civilized european as between that of the latter and the savages or as between the savages and the pigs and if they could have brought themselves to believe that they had attained the fullest and the final light upon morality the thought would have struck their very hearts to stone it was this that kept them from formulating their morality or ethics in any definite code they knew that a code would soon petrify morality and itself become a fetish ignorantly worshipped and gathering it through the ages the self-interest of its officials and the irrational devotion of its worshippers attain a despotism that could never be broken or controlled a code of issues in a series of prohibitions which become a boundless slavery and prohibitions develop the sense of rights which dominates and obscures all sense of duties this keeps men hanging between savagery and true civilization the growing dominance of duty with its complementary obscuration of rights is the first symptom of the approach of rapid ethical progress to insist on one's rights imprisons the soul in the living sepulchre of selfishness to think of one's duty is to admit the self-revealing and future unmisting light of self-sacrifice one's prohibitions become the order of the day especially in a limited community the spirit of intolerance is abroad every man yearns to confine his neighbor and put him in moral and intellectual leading strings the origin and the meaning of the thou shalt nots are forgotten the spirit of them dies rapidly and the letter binds and petrifies the souls that must obey them progress in ethics is finally stopped and it is accepted as a law of nature that there never was any development of conscience and never can be any other ethical point of view moral stagnance is taken as the rule of human life and nothing short of a new impulse from spheres outside the world can liberate the race thus blinded from its vicious circle of thought advance of the human system to higher points of view is in limanora the moral test and standard of actions and conduct in all that is nothing has ever died nothing is dead what seems dead and fixed forever in permanent form is suffering change as truly as the flitting aurora of the north the rock that seems the same in our old age as when we saw it in infancy 
is in the process of transformation no less than we ourselves are it is made up of particles that are groups of molecules and these molecules moving with varying degrees of rapidity round and across each other's orbits consist themselves of still more minute atoms that are but points of living energy send another form of energy like heat through this apparently torpid mass and it stirs palpably to our senses what was dormant to us before has awakened and as the supply of the foreign energy increases the rock moves and changes beneath our gaze not that the long torpid mass has not an energy of its own it is a store of energy every atom of it waiting but for the touch of another kind to awaken from its age-long sleep and to send most of it free and a step higher into the wandering sphere again the difference between solid and liquid and between liquid and gas is only a question of time in the solids the molecules take longer to move through the same space as those of the liquid which in their turn take longer than those of the gas for solids flow under the influence of gravitation or other force just as truly as liquids or gases flow it is the same with energies one differs from another in pace time is the only essential difference between them the pace of vital energy is so distinctive in its swiftness that it forms a new order of existence thought is the swiftest of the vital energies that we know and to rise in the scale is to quicken the pace the civilized man thinks as much more rapidly than the savage as the savage thinks more rapidly than the mollusk if the last may be said to think or feel at all and there are heights above existing human thought for man to climb higher and ever higher the scale of energies in the cosmos must go till time becomes what would seem to us but a vanishing point immediately above us lies the vital energy to which a thousand years are but a moment to the microbe if it could think human life would seem an eternity to creative thought which is the limanoran ideal eternity future as well as past is focused into a moment up through the scale of energy the whole cosmos is ever climbing with occasional lapses and falls timing is the only differentiating quality to quicken the pace of development is the one immediate aim of limanoran civilization and the morality of an action is measured by its contribution to this aim the higher they climb the nobler the more ethereal becomes their energy the less governed and clogged by animal conditions the more easy to quicken the pace of development for the cosmic law of influence is that the closer in quality and degree the spheres of energy the more likely is the higher to mould the lower and raise it nearer to its level the source of the everlasting moment and life in the cosmos is the unstable equilibrium of all nuclei and stores of energy every world differs from every other world in its capacity for various forms of energy and so does everything in it differ from everything else in the amount of any particular form of energy it can contain comparative proximity sets up a current between any two nuclei of energy that thus differ whenever the two reach stable equilibrium that is whenever they come to have equal shares of the energy the current of influence ceases and they are dead to each other the socialistic ideal is political and social death 
when all the members of a community are equal and alike in their share of its privileges and products and capacities its rights and duties it ceases to grow or develop stagnation is the law of its being especially if there are no neighboring communities differing from it on which it can react the limanorans deliberately strove to keep up and strengthen the differences between not only families but individuals in rights duties capacities aims the differences were an everlasting fountain of renewing life the law of political and social life is exactly the same as that of gravitation and of all the other cosmic forces two sources of energy will continue to influence each other till they reach equality the greater giving its share of energy to the larger proportion than the less what keeps the cosmos eternally alive is the complexity of the mutual influences there are no two bodies or centers of an energy so isolated or so simply constituted as to remain forever dead or unchanging once they have reached stable equilibrium towards each other in respect to their special form of energy and so it is with men the socialistic ideal is an impossibility in this universe in the human sphere this cosmic law has farther reaching issues than the merely political the limanorans were willing to do much for the advance of mankind but they had come to see that apostolism is a case of this law of mutuality of influence as truly as any other phenomenon the higher must not only give voluntarily of his influence and character to the lower but the lower must give of his to the apostle and if the proximity continues long enough this mutual give and take will end in the missionary coming nearer to the original moral standard of the convert than the convert comes to his patron's original standard where the grades of the two civilizations are widely separated though the process of assimilation may be long extended over even many generations it will be most disastrous to human progress it is better they concluded from their long experience to isolate an advancing race that is far ahead of all other races and thus to give it the chance of coming within the sphere of still higher intelligences most advanced religions have begun with the impulse towards this yearning for a loftier sphere than that in which they are hedged they try to isolate their followers from the lowering influences of the world around in order that they may reach the ideal and influence that are just above them but as they apostolize and expand the worshippers become mere parasites of their god they try to batten upon him with their lower natures and thus drag him down to their level after the first noble impulse and inspiration it is seldom that a religion does not become as truly an instance of parasitism as the meanest bacterial life the lower all through the universe is eager to parasite on the higher minute organisms try to lodge in the tissues of those that are larger and more developed as long as host and parasite can pursue their functions unhindered by their intimate relationships little harm is done but as soon as the debris of the lower clogs of the organs of the host what we call disease results and the minute guest becomes a hurtful parasite as long as the religious impulse sends a nature higher on the path of development so long does it give of its best to the deity 
so long does it fail to clog the advance of the cosmos but when it extends its conquest to mean and unprogressive natures the common unenthusiastic natures that are saturated with envy and jealousy then does it become mere parasitism the religion has grown into a disease the warm humane and generous natures which are touched by a new inspiration rise to an exceptional pitch of fervour under its influence and develop at a pace that stirs the alarm and envy of their neighbours whilst the resultant persecution continues unabated there can be no degeneration the worship can never be parasitic but as soon as the persistence and progress of the earlier worshippers and their propagandist enthusiasm begin to invite the commonplace cowardly spirits of the mass who can never appreciate what is above them except to envy it and drag it down to their level its era of development is past the cosmic law of reciprocity never fails to act and the united influence of the meaner majority is greater in its power over the whole than the fervour of the noble few down falls the worship to the level of the many it was on this cosmic law that the limanorans based their refusal to go out and attempt to convert and raise the rest of mankind to their standard they knew from the nature of the universe that the attempt would end in corrupting themselves and dragging them down farther than they could drag up their converts they preferred to give of their best to the unorbed existence which filled space outside of the world and to make their best still better thus they knew they were serving most truly the great end of all being the development of the cosmos the elevation of the energy in it towards more and more spiritual and progressive grades they strove to perpetuate and strengthen their consciousness of what was above them and to break the yoke of the lower self the self that at death amalgamates with what is material and stagnant although the latter was needed as a stepping-stone as long as they remained upon the face of the earth in seeking the proximity and influence of the higher energies and existences that seldom touched the earth they anxiously guarded themselves from all parasitism which might drag down these in the scale of being and this led them to abandon attempts to personalize the relationship to them they would have no part in worshipping or prostrating themselves before these beings in order to obtain their protection and patronage for this they knew becomes merely sectarian the outcome of envy and jealousy the cause of bigotry and intolerance persecution and revenge they did not desire the exclusive influence of a higher being nor to become obstructions to its further development to rise to its level was their active spiritual ambition in striving to gain proximity to it as their senses especially their inner senses developed they were getting more and more certain of a vast universe of being just outside the merely terrestrial and new inspirations and senses were ever awakening in them nobler ideas and impulses pressed in upon them they scarcely knew whence they were afraid to define the source lest they should humanize the idea of it and pollute it what they were sure of was that the infinite space was filled with unorbed life and energy rising in higher and higher grades as it receded from the terrene the energy of the worlds and of the other nuclei of force was gradually rising through the grades of being 
thanks chiefly to the measureless existence which hovered round them, yet settled upon no centre of fixed energy. Out of this unorbed life came the impulses and inspiration that made such epics in the history of a world. Their magnetic sympathy with this they were strengthened and elevating every generation, as they strove to rise higher and higher amongst these existences in order that into their spirits might come nobler and nobler influences. As long as they were conscious of qualities and degrees of existence above them, so long would they be stimulated on their upward development. They had no fear they would ever reach a point from which they could not see heights beyond. That, they knew, would be complete spiritual death. But they knew, too, that there was no such thing as death, or entire annihilation, in the whole cosmos. What seemed to us death was but the final parting of two grades of being or energy, the lower to coalesce with some fixed form of energy and attach itself again to some more rapidly developing form, the higher to range itself with unnucleated energies of space, still to rise by proximity to some higher life. They were scientifically certain that there could be no end to this process of development upwards. Aspiration was the duty and true function of all existence. To quicken the space of the evolution, to range themselves more and more swiftly with the higher life of the cosmos, this was the prerogative of vital energy that had gained consciousness of itself and its purpose. Their conscience and morality were based upon this quickening ascension. The test of an action was this, does it help in raising the humanity higher in the scale of being? Nothing could be good that stopped their ascent, nothing could be bad that compelled them to rise more quickly. The elders generally saw that a glance at all the bearings of an act and knew whether it contributed to this general aim or not. Where they hesitated on account of the complexity of the problem, they met and discussed it, calling in all the accurate science they had to their aid. If after all they had to lay the question aside unanswered, then was the act left in that neutral zone of conduct which the Limanorans might or might not enter as they saw fit. Such acts carried no moral discount or credit with them for the time but often the advance of an age, or even a few years, would remove the act from the neutral zone into the bad or the good. A higher point of view generally solved their doubt. From the opinion of the elders there rayed out magnetically into the young and immature the sense of what was right, to act as conscience where they were incapable of reasoning out the position. There was thus no feature of their lives, but came within the range of morality. Even the habitual and automatic movements and actions, which form so large a proportion of the life of the terrestrial races, had been reduced to an almost inappreciable proportion in theirs, and were ever questioned and tested to see if they harmonized with the newer points of view that had been reached. There was nothing in their whole existence that had not its moral relationships, their sciences and arts, their experiments and inventions, were as much a part of their moral life as their character and their conduct towards each other. Morality was the relationship to the ever-developing, ever-advancing aim of the race, and nothing in the whole range of their life was indifferent to that. End of chapter 11